0: Hello, and welcome back to the While We're Waiting, Hope After Child Loss podcast. I'm Jill Sullivan, your host and one of the co-founders of the While We're Waiting ministry. I wanted to take a moment and thank those of you who have left a rating or a review on the podcast. We appreciate that so much because every one of those ratings and reviews helps raise our profile in the search engines and makes it easier for other hurting moms and dads to find the podcast. So thank you. I'm so pleased to introduce you today to some more members of our While We're Waiting family, Jim and Carol Smitherman. We first met them back in 2019 when they attended a retreat here at the Refuge in Arkansas, and we so enjoyed the opportunity to get to know them and to hear the story of their beautiful daughter Sarah, who went to heaven in 2011. I hope you'll listen in as we talk about the different kind of miracle that God has worked in their lives since that time. I'm so thankful for their willingness to share their story with you today, and I know you will be blessed by their testimony. Hi, Jim and Carol. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks for having us, Jill. Yeah, it's good to be you. here. Yeah. So let's get started just by giving you guys an opportunity to tell us a little bit about yourselves. Tell us where you're from and what life is like for you there.
1: Well, we live in Sparks, Nevada, which is considered the high desert Summers here are hot and winters are cold. We have snow. I love that we have the four distinct seasons because it's a great reminder to me of God's sovereignty. Mm, yeah. And Lake Tahoe is probably our greatest treasure here. Yeah. Jim is semi-retired and I stay busy with work at church and ministry and family and little grandkids.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We love the outdoors and on a weekend you'll probably find us out on a tandem ride on our bicycle.
0: Yeah, very good. How about you,
2: Jim? Oh yeah, um, all of that. Um, <laughs> I've I worked as a a water management planner for about twenty years, so now I'm still engaged with uh, with that part time. Um, seems like more time than, uh, than than I'd like some sometimes, but uh, it's good to stay plugged in with the people that I worked with over the years. Yeah, um, I, I enjoy getting outside with Carol. Um, riding our tandem is great. If we're not doing that, I'm out on riding a, on a single bicycle of my own. So yeah. that's probably one my one of my biggest outdoor passions. Yeah, we're we're involved in our church a lot. I play on the uh, on the worship team. Uh, I play bass guitar on the worship team, and uh, that uh, that is a great uh, a great ministry to, to keep us centered and engaged in our church work.
0: Sure. Well, and you live in a beautiful place to do all that biking, that's for sure.
1: We feel blessed.
0: Yes. So, how did the two of y'all meet, and how many years have you been married? Just talk about your family a little bit.
2: We met at a singles group at our church here in Reno. Um, actually, Reno and Sparks are connected cities, so mm-hmm. that we almost consider them one. Um, we dated for about a year, and we were married a little over 31 years ago in 1990. Wow. Um, at our wedding, we had two young ring bearers, Carol's uh, young sons, Matthew, who was <laughs> had just turned eight at the time, yeah. uh, and Mark was four. Uh, Matthew's now 39. Uh, he works as a licensed clinical therapist at a local mental health facility here in town. Um, he's dating a charming uh, lady named Karen, <laughs> uh-huh. and I-, I think we're expecting a wedding sometime mm-hmm. in the future. Nice. Uh, Sharon has a young daughter who I think is, is either two or three years old, and she's, she's a lovely little thing. Uh, Mark is now 36, and he works as a project manager at a local medical center. He's married to Annie. They have two young sons, Isaac, five, and Ethan, Ethan three. Uh, so they are a joy and every once in a while a terror at the same time.
1: When I go to pick them up, we say, I'm going off to get the Banshees.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The Banshees, huh? (laughs) Yeah. And you have the opportunity to kind of take care of them a couple times a week, right? When their parents are working. I do. Yes. What a blessing. Yes.
1: Those are full days.
0: Sure. Sure. All right. And you guys also have a daughter. So tell us a little bit more about Sarah in particular.
1: Sarah was a special gift. Um, I knew that from the start. I never really thought about the fact that I'd have a daughter in my lifetime. And I thought I was going to live in a household of men. Yeah. But I, um, shortly before I was due, I had a sonogram and the tech said, do you want to know? And I said, of course I want to know. And he said it was a girl. And Jim was at a little league party for, um, pizza party for the boys. And when I walked in, he saw my face and he said, I knew we were having a girl at that moment because he could see, he could read it on my oh, face. Sure. And so from that time, I mean, she was born on Easter Sunday and she was just a special, special gift to us. Um, she kind of was um the glue that kept our family together. She had a unique relationship with each member of our family that was special and and different at the same time. Um as she grew, she developed a love for music and dance and theater. She was in the show choir at her high school all four years. She loved God with a passion, and she loved the mission field. She loved to um, travel to Guatemala, where she had a, a village there called San Antonio, where she really had connected with the folks there. And I think one of the things that we learned about her to a greater degree was after she went to heaven was that she really um, took time to reach the down and out or the hurting or the ones that felt lost, left out. Um, we had uh, spiral notebooks on each of the tables at her service and story after story told of how she took the time to reach out to someone who was left behind. Mm. Wow. Which um, has really um, ministered to our heart. Sure.
2: Sarah was, she was sort of shy as a, as a younger child but we learned more from her friends in high school that uh, the shyness seemed to fade away and uh, a few of them had shared that they longed to hear her big booming voice holler their name down the halls at, at high school and that sort of thing. And she had a big smile and a, and a laugh that would mm-hmm. fill a room and those are some of the things I, I miss most I think is just to hear her laugh and how she would just raise the spirits in a room when she would come in and kind of take over conversation and that sort of thing. Sure.
0: And I know, Jim, that you and Sarah shared a a special love of music together.
2: Yeah. Um, Before she was driving, uh, I would drive her to high school. um, And actually, I think it started in middle school. I'd drop her off on my way to work. And we started listening to uh, 70s rock and roll music, what I grew up with. And uh, she she first developed an interest in that from watching a movie called school of rock and uh, she was singing one of the songs from that that was clearly not in her era so i asked her you know where did you get that so she told me from this movie so i had to watch that with her and that became a special bond for us yeah yeah, we were working through the british bands um, all the way through uh, middle school and high school wow Until she started driving on her own. Then, (laughs) then we didn't go over them quite as often.
0: Yeah. That's a neat bond that y'all had there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It really was. As Sarah graduated from high school and, and she was actually in, I think her second year of college when, uh, when she was taken ill suddenly. Um, it was December 15th, uh, 2011. And, um, her condition that took her came on. What seemed like very suddenly to us, you know, blood clots had probably been forming for days. Um, but when we got her to the hospital, um, the ER doctor diagnosed a massive pulmonary embolism and started treatment. And they told us, you know, this is treatable. You know, people survive this. Um, so we put the word out to our church family and, uh, and prayers started to flow, uh, you know, immediately. Um, she got worse overnight, however, and she was in heaven by nine the next morning. So, so it all happened very fast yeah. for us. Um, we begged and pleaded with God, as, as she can imagine, not to take her, but, but he did. And, um, and I remember, you know, thinking, how, how could this be? This seems so surreal. She was, she was just here. Mm-hmm. But that, that was the beginnings on, uh, on December 16th. Um, of our journey that that we still walk down and yeah. share with so many other grieving couples.
0: Yeah. I know, um, Jim, that you in particular really struggled with your faith after Sarah went to heaven. Um, would you mind talking about that a little bit?
2: Uh, no, no, I, I, I don't mind that. Um, I struggled in a, at a couple levels mm-hmm. actually when we lost Sarah. Um, first, I turned my anger in on myself. You know, my daughter had died on my watch. Mm. And uh that's a hard thing for a dad. There were things that I should have seen more clearly, some things that I should have done that that you know might have saved her life. Um so the guilt that I carried and then the shame that resulted from just carrying the guilt around and continuing to turn it on myself, they were really overwhelming um for probably the first three or four years after after we lost her. Um, finally, um, I think God's Holy Spirit rescued me and convicted me to confess all of what I was carrying around inside. And so it all kind of poured out on this retreat trip that Carol and I were on. Actually, we were in Dublin, in, in Ireland, and um, I was supposed to give a devotional one day. So I would, had been searching around for what would be Good and um, I couldn't get off of that subject, so I just I knew that it was time for me to let this all out. So it was and a small group of trusted friends from our church and a couple of facilitators over there, in the and um, and that 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 changed things for me. That that changed the trajectory of my of my walk. Um, and and secondly, um, I remember my relationship with God changed uh, that day in December as well. Um, we're on better terms now, but, uh, I remember thinking, okay, if this is the journey that you want me to travel, then fine. But I don't really want to talk to you anymore. Yeah. And, um, so I could pray short little prayers about your will be done. And I remember thinking, why should I pray anything else? Because you're going to do what you're going to do anyway. And, um, now my prayers are different. Um they're they're quite a bit more about trying to stay in God's will and and you know seeking after my role in his will and and not a lot of other asking for things. So I think um I think it's really stripped down what my prayer life um is compared to what it was before we lost Sarah. Um, so so yeah, I'm happy to say that uh, that I've moved Closer back to God, I know that He doesn't change. He was still there just waiting for me to come back during during that couple of years where I, I struggled so greatly.
0: Yeah, that's right. We're the ones that kind of tend to turn away, and yet He's always there, isn't He?
2: Yes, that's so mm-hmm. true. hmm
0: so, Carol, after Sarah went to heaven, you were asked to participate on a panel of moms. I think it was like a Mother's Day panel or something like that. Would you talk about that experience?
1: Sure. Um, I was actually on staff at our church at the time, and I was part of the teaching team. And they were playing Mother's Day, and they were putting a panel together. And I was sitting there, and I they're looking at me. and I thought, no way. You can't be asking me to do this. But they were. So... Um, God was really, um, faithful in that time because I was able to share from my heart about the, um, experience and, but also give, um, those that were listening some insight as to how to, um, respond to people like me who had lost a child. And I can remember saying, you know, talk about my daughter. Talk. I'm thinking about her anyway. So please. Mention her name. If you have a memory of her, tell me about it. I want to hear that. And um, and I was able to share about how faithful God was during that time because as we um, were in the critical care room after she had gone to heaven, we knew we had a choice to make. And so I got to share that with them as well that we were going to either do this well or we were going to fail. And we made a
0: choice that day to live well, as as well as we could for Jesus. Exactly. Um, I know, too, one of the things um, that I've heard you talk about is how you prayed as Sarah was going through this medical crisis that that Mm -hmm. seemed to go so rapidly. You all were praying for a miracle. And um, I know you talked about you didn't get that earthly miracle that you were looking for. Right, that's right.
1: That's but right. you said you did still get a miracle, and what is that? We did get a miracle, and that's the miracle of our hearts being healed mm-hmm. and restored. And while we didn't get the miracle that we prayed for, the miracle that we got was so powerful, because is so powerful because it continues to work itself out as time goes on. And we're able to show folks that um, we live in a fallen world. Bad things happen, but God comes through. And his plan is so much bigger and more perfect than we could ever imagine. And his love for us goes that that length and that depth as well. And our faith has become richer because of it. Our reliance on Jesus is deeper because of it. And we've chosen to do everything we can to rep- represent God well in the rest of our lives. Um, to think that our hearts have been healed and, and the deep, deep sorrow has been replaced with unspeakable joy is almost... You want to say you've got to be kidding me? That can't really happen, but it does yes. because that's that's the change that Jesus makes mm-hmm. when you lean upon him. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think that that morning that Jesus took over. I don't even remember what I said to be honest with you, but um, it made an impact on some folks.
0: Yeah, um, like you said, that's not—it's just not possible without Jesus. I believe that. One hundred percent. It is not. Yeah. Is not. So are there any particular Bible verses or scriptures that have been helpful to you on this grief journey that you've kind of leaned on as you've moved forward?
1: You know, there have been many, actually. and But I, the one I wanted to share with you is um, John 9, 1 to 3, where Jesus heals the blind man. And his disciples ask him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that this man was born blind? And Jesus said, Neither this man or his parents sinned. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. That our Father could be glorified because of how this man lives his life. And when the healing takes place and he shares that with other people. Now I'm paraphrasing, obviously, that's not the whole scripture, but it was especially significant to me as I struggled with the why. What did I do wrong that would make God want to take my child from me? And I soon realized that as I said earlier, that we live in a fallen world, and even things as tragic as losing my child happen. I don't believe that God did this to me. I believe he allowed it to happen, and that was for a greater purpose, and that was to bring glory to God. Mm-hmm. So I've gained some understanding with respect to a holy purpose for my pain. And that I was sharing last night, even with our friends, that brings... Um, Something that feels like an honor to my suffering—that God chose us somehow to be faithful in this endeavor and to represent Him well in um, in walking the grief journey and helping others to do it too.
2: Jill, I remember very early on. I think when I was still in the kind of a disbelief stage. Um, there's a verse in Matthew. I don't remember the citation, but. It just talks about how you know a sparrow doesn't fall from the sky without God knowing it, and I remember taking some comfort in knowing this—this this wasn't one, some mistake. God didn't happen to have His back turned when when my mm-hmm. Sarah died. Um, that that this is all part of His plan. Yes. And then, uh, kind of along the lines of, that Carol was describing, I think um, Job two ten where he responds to his wife and just says you know are we to accept only the good things from god but not not trouble as well and it's a good reminder um that uh we do live in that fallen world and and that uh bad things are going to happen trouble is going to happen i think we are promised that yes uh and then isaiah 55 8 and 9 about how god's ways are so much higher and his thoughts are so much higher than ours is. so uh, uh, is, is comforting, too, knowing that uh, he's got a plan that encompasses all of this. He, even the sorrow that we have to walk through uh, prepares us for, for work that, that, that he has to glorify himself later in our lives.
0: Yeah. Oh, those are great scriptures, very encouraging, um, and just such, such deep truths from God's Word. Um, and that's what mm-hmm. we need to cling to and depend on. As we walk this journey, that's for sure. That's right. That is
2: absolutely right.
0: Yeah. That's right. I think that one of the things that I say
1: over and over again is cling to Jesus with everything you've got. Yeah. Because there's there's not anything else that will heal your heart like He can. That's right. right.
2: And the world will just work to, to pull us apart.
0: Yeah. The world, world has all kinds of other things that can try to draw us um, to... That kind of can give a false healing or a temporary healing, Um, but it's not the same as the healing that Jesus can give, that's for sure. Yes. So the loss of a child changes a parent profoundly at a very deep level. So how do you feel that Sarah's homegoing has changed you? Well, I'll start that one. I think um, Sarah's homegoing was a rubber meets the road
1: moment for us. We had to make a choice. Is God who he says he is or is he not? Yes. And that was quickly um decided that that we were going to believe that he is who he says he is. And as a result, our faith has become richer and our reliance on Jesus, as I would said earlier, also has deepened. Um, I'd say that I try to take nothing for granted that our lives can change in a single second. Yeah. We've chosen not to sweat the small stuff, so to speak. Um, and I think that when joy comes, and it does, that it's richer and more meaningful. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, that the quality of our relationships and the quality of our relationship with God has magnified many times over because of the way in which He has chosen to Again, and I
0: keep talking about this that heal our hearts. Yeah, I like what you said about how your joy is is richer and fuller. I really think that when you've been to the lowest of the low places and the darkest of the dark, mm-hmm. that um, it it expands your capacity for joy. You know, for both ends of the right. spectrum.
1: Right. I don't think I really knew the depth of joy, yeah, or what it really was until. After Sarah went to heaven, because I think we, we confuse joy with happiness. Yes. A lot of times. And, and, um, the joy comes from, um, I think of the verse where it says, uh, please don't take thy Holy Spirit from me or, or the joy of thy salvation. And that's where joy is for me. It's joy is in Jesus and what he did for us. Yeah. And what makes the hope possible. The depth of that
0: is just beyond my comprehension. Yes. And it's, like you said, so very different from happiness. Yes.
2: You know, Jill, I, I have to add, you know, in addition to what Carol shared, I, I believe myself, I've become quite a bit more sensitive to people who are suffering great loss. I, I can, I, I feel myself drawn toward them and mm-hmm. just to try to come alongside and, and share, regardless of, of the loss, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be um, the loss of a child. But, uh, um, I think there's a, a there's a continual softening of my heart that um, that that's even going where you know before we lost Sarah I don't think I would have recognized that my heart wasn't wasn't soft but it's it's definitely more tender now.
0: You know I know there are some people who are listening to this podcast today that are very new on the grief journey and they can't even imagine thinking about healing or thinking about having joy again. And I remember being there, um, not long after Hannah went to heaven. So if you guys, you know, I know it's been almost 10 years, it'll be 10 years this, this December since Sarah went to heaven, but think back if you can to those very early days of your grief, what advice might you give to someone who is just at the beginning of this journey?
2: I'll lead off on, on that answer. Um, Sure. Coming from from a, a guy and an introverted guy, I would say uh, don't grieve alone. Um even if it's with one or two close friends. Um you've got to have someone you can confide in and you you can share everything that's uh, that's going on inside it, and not it's not good to keep it keep it bottled up. Um I would say also don't resist um, seeking professional help if you think you need that. I had several sessions with a, uh, with a counselor and, um, it, this counselor had also lost a child. So there were, and, and he was a believer, is a believer. So it was, a, it was a good fit and it was quite yeah. comforting to uh, just share everything that I was experiencing, uh, with, with someone who one had, had clinical training and, and also understood, uh, from personal experience. So I was real fortunate in that time. Um, I think one of the most important things that Carol and I found is is to allow others in to take care of you. We had our church community surround us for um, I don't know it seemed like months after we lost Sarah. They were in our home. They cleaned up. They prepared meals. They paid bills. Um, so please, uh, if if you have that kind of community around you. Uh, let them in. Let them love you. Let them grieve with you. Several of them knew and loved Sarah, so that they could they could share their experiences and their memories of her. Um, these people are Jesus' hands and feet. So that's uh, that's a way that he took that Jesus took care of us was through uh, his community that surrounded us uh, from from our church and from our community.
0: Yeah, that's a wonderful blessing for sure. And sometimes it's hard to be the recipient of that. <laughs> But it I think is. you're right. When we're grieving, we need to be willing to accept that.
1: that Knowing help. that others were grieving her as well somehow helped. Yes. That, And we felt it was almost um, selfish not to let them in because they loved her too. And so um, mm. it was full circle to let them in and to, to receive. And they somehow received from us at the same time, which is, only Jesus.
0: <laughs> yes.
2: And you know, th- thinking about your your question about not seeing joy in your life again, um, mm-hmm. I, c- I can relate with that. I remember just feeling like the rest of my life is just going to be sorrow, and if, if that's the way it is, then then that's the way it is, and I'll just keep putting one foot in front of the other um but uh, allowing Jesus in um it, it is a miracle really to think about how I felt then and and now seeing the joy in our life and seeing him turn that tragedy into something positive that can that can help others who um, yes. who are you know earlier in our grief walk. Um, is, is hope giving. And, uh, and, and there's a joy in that. So I would say don't, don't be impatient with the process. And, uh, and just wait, wait and, and seek out a Jesus healing. And, and there, and there, and change will come.
1: Yeah. And that isn't to say that we don't still have sadness or we don't think of her every day
0: because we do. But he's replaced that with something new. I think that's very helpful for people to hear that there will come a time where it's just not so heavy and it's not the right. the most prominent thing in your life that um, eventually you do have space. But also not to fight those days when you, the first time you go to the grocery store mm-hmm. and you're walking
1: down the aisle and you just want to scream, do you know what just happened to me? Yes. My child is gone. And, um, those feelings that you have, they're, they're valid too. Yes. So you don't want to fight those. And they're part of, they're part of getting to that place Mm -hmm. where there's joy again. And you go down the cereal aisle and see her favorite box of cereal and not start crying.
0: Right. I mean, you know, it's, it's a, it's a process. Yes, it is. And I think, I think we'll always, I mean, I know we'll always have that tender spot deep inside that even 10 years later you can walk down that cereal aisle and on a certain day it will make it may bring tears and you know i'm i'm okay with that (laughs) because i do still miss hannah every day and you know i think i think you all understand what i'm saying yes absolutely and i i guess i'm i'm more than okay with that because if i let go of that yes
1: i feel like i've let go of part of her And I don't want to do that. Exactly. So there's that that strange place where you want to, you want to, you want to grow, but you don't want to let yes. go.
0: And I think you can do both.
1: Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But I still believe it's a miracle. Oh
0: yeah. I I do too. I sure do too. So people often feel awkward around a parent that has lost a child because they just don't know what to say. So think about. um you know, especially those, those early years or so. And, and sometimes even now mm-hmm. things that maybe were said that were not helpful. And some of the things that were said or done that were the most helpful to you.
2: This is a, this is a difficult one because it makes me think what are some of the insensitive things I oh, might've yes. said before we lost Sarah. Mm-hmm. And, and it, I, you know, I shudder to think that I was one of those oh, people. I was too. Entirely yeah. possible. Um, but I, I think, you know, some of the least helpful are, are things like when people will say, well, I know how you feel because our cat died last year. Yeah. Um, uh, th- that doesn't help. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think most, most helpful, um, for, for me at least, where, where the words were, were very few and, and heartfelt. Okay. So, uh, you know, I'm so sorry or this must be so hard. Mm. And then just with a, with a hug or, or, you know, a, a knowing look, um, you know, um, eye to eye, um, not saying anything is, is probably better than saying something trite. Right. So I would, uh, my advice would be to try to, try to avoid, uh, some kind of cliche like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I can remember, um, my, my boss, my supervisor at work, um, just offered up a, a huge hug and a knowing look. And then she said, grief is just something that you have to, to journey through. You can't, you can't go around it. You have to go through the middle of it. And, uh, and then, and then that was all. And, and that was, that was comforting and, and encouraging at the same yeah. time. I think.
1: I've had people say to me, I can't imagine. And my response is, no, you can't unless you've been there. So thank you for saying that because I don't want you to pretend that you know what I'm feeling or what I'm going through. And I really appreciate that when folks are honest about it because they're uncomfortable with it. They don't know what to say or to do. Um, and it's better than staying away, for sure. But um, choosing your words wisely is is important. And I think the most help that folks have been to us is when they have the courage to talk about yes. her, to say her name, to share a memory. Yes. She's not forgotten that way when they... Will come in and say, "Well, I remember the time when Sarah did such and such," and and it'll start a conversation about her, and it's it's wonderful because those are the things that help us because they feel I've, they they keep her memory alive. They keep her alive here. Right. We know she's living in heaven, but we only have so many memories of her here now. So when someone brings one up, or they send us a a note in the mail with, "I found these pictures the other day and thought you might enjoy them," they have no idea. What they're That's doing right. for us by doing that. That's right. Or some of her friends will, will, um, send a text. On this day, such and such, Sarah and I danced across the stage and blah, blah, blah. And it's just, it's just wonderful that they, they think to, to bring up stories about her. So those are the things that help me the most. Yes,
0: those things are a gift. Oh,
1: yeah. they are absolutely precious.
2: It makes me think too of, uh, the, the times people had, prefaced, um, sharing a memory or, or talking about Sarah, they'll ask, um, is it okay if I talk about her or I don't, I don't want to make you sad by bringing her up. And it's like, I'm thinking about her every moment of every day and you're not going to make me any more sad. So, um, so just share. And then, yeah. And, and, and those are good. We love, like Carol said, we love hearing people's stories and memories about Sarah, especially something that we didn't yes. know. It's uh, we don't get new experiences with her uh, until we're in heaven, and so hearing someone else's experience as if it were new to us is uh, is just a joy. Yes, it's, uh, it's yes.
0: and I think people are surprised to hear that because, like you said, I think most people are afraid that if they bring up our child's name, that it's going to make us sad, or um, right. and, and it might bring tears, but they're not necessarily sad tears. Um, It's just the the joy of getting to hear something new about our child or the joy of knowing that someone else remembers our child and wants to talk about them is um, such a gift. It's huge,
2: exactly.
0: So a common experience that bereaved parents often have, especially early on, is something that we call grief brain at our retreats and just that kind of being foggy and forgetful and losing things. Did you all experience grief brain? And if so, talk about that a little bit.
1: I hadn't really heard this term until recently. Yeah. Um, but I recognized it as I thought back to that time. Sarah went to heaven in December 2011. And I have very little recollection of 2012. Yes, And when I went back to work, I went part-time. I didn't have... I didn't feel like I had the capacity to really process and to think about things for some time. Um, so I just felt like I didn't have, yeah, I didn't have a lot to give. Right. I needed
0: time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How was it for you, Jim, going back to work?
2: Yeah. Thinking about that time. Um, I really don't have full recollection of, of that entire year, um, after Sarah went to heaven too. Um, my work life was, was, quite unproductive as i re- remember it i remember um being offered a whole lot of grace at uh, at work the where i worked the, the policy was you know you can have five days of bereavement leave and i remember thinking five days i couldn't possibly return to work after that but there was there's a policy where a, a director can make a uh um uh, a judgment call and allow you to use, you know, an unlimited amount of your, your accumulated sick leave. Um, and, and that's, that was the case, um, with my director. So, um, so I had plenty of time. I think it was a couple of weeks before I actually showed back up at the office. There were certain things that had to happen on a calendar and I could keep up with those, but, but doing anything, uh, you know, creative and new, uh, just didn't happen. I just kind of marked time and, uh, and kept, Kept managing the program forward that I was responsible for, but there was really very little passion. Um, boy, um, I guess it—that's that's grief brain. Then, boy, I experienced it um, pretty full. Mm-hmm.
0: I remember being very surprised by that. Uh, I did not know to expect that, um, but it—it's—it can really, really be a challenge if you if you do have to go back to work. Um, And be functional and productive and and those kinds of things. Or even just returning to church or other responsibilities that you may have. Even raising other children. It's hard Mm -hmm. to... uh, Your mind just doesn't work like it did before for quite some time.
2: I remember talking to um, the the counselor that I went to about, you know, do I have depression? Yeah. And, And he said, well... Depression that, that requires, you know, treatment and that sort of thing is, is kind of this, you know, the depressed feeling w- without a reason. Yeah. And, and, you know, for some unexplainable reason, you have good reason to be depressed. Yeah. So I think it's, it's just a matter of, of doing the best you can to, to move forward. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and so I, you know, I think that's part of it. Yeah. I think it was yeah. explainable depression from, i such a great loss.
1: Mm-hmm. I remember when you came home from that visit you said that he had told you that your life had lost its luster.
2: Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: And that that was an explanation for, you know, the the
0: fogginess and such. Uh-huh. And I, thought, I I used that often. Yeah. That your life has lost its luster. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's a great yeah. description. Yeah.
2: Yes. Of how you feel yeah, in, of in grief, ground down by something very rough. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's reassuring to know that over time, and with Jesus, that luster does come back. Not the yes, same. It does. It's not the same. Yeah. It's never the same, but it does. It does yeah. come back. I'm thankful for that. Yes. So this is kind of a deep question. We're getting getting close to wrapping up here. Um, what have you learned about God through this experience that he is who he says he is, mm.
1: and that he loves us more than we can imagine, and that his plan for our lives is perfect though it may not seem that way when it happens, and that i we just have to trust him um he's not going to forsake us he's not going to leave us um, it was pretty simple for me in that respect is that he is he is who he is, and I have to, um, to move forward on that basis.
2: Right. I think these are, these are things that we knew mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and it, this is, for me, I think I come away knowing that God really means that. I mean, he is true to his word, and even through the worst of our times, He is still true to his word. He is faithful and he will see us through. And then, and our hope is really in, in his ultimate redemption Yes. of of all things.
0: Yes, absolutely. So you guys facilitate our while we're waiting support group for bereaved parents there in Sparks, Nevada, where you live. If someone came to one of your meetings, what might they expect to find there?
2: They'll find people who, like them, are are just learning to cope with the loss of their child. Um, some of the uh, the people who come have lost um, a, a young child uh, very recently. Some um, it was an adult child, and it may have been fifteen or twenty years ago. But uh, the journey is it's very similar, and I think that uh, um, it's just a place where there's comfort knowing that. The others who are sitting around in the circle and sharing, know the journey. They may be at a different place, but, but they all know the journey. So there's a, a there's a freedom in sharing, you know, what, what your heart's saying to you, what, the, what, what your grieving experience is like. Um, it's uh it's a place where we talk freely about Jesus and, and the hope that, that he offers. Um, We've had people come who were not believers, Uh, I think most of them are, and uh, we don't hold back on on the fact that that Jesus is the source of our hope.
1: We do want it to be a safe and welcoming place too, um, where they know that what they share with us is is in confidence, and that they they don't have to hold back because of that either, because um, we want them to come back.
0: (laughs) Right. Right.
1: Sure. And, and uh, continue on that journey with
2: us. Mm -hmm. I I think another thing they can expect is, uh, we'll follow up with an email or a text message inviting them, you know, uh, reminding them of when the next meeting is. Even if they don't come back, they'll get those for a while. (laughs) We're not going to let them go. Easily. yeah
0: yeah there is something like you said it's just so freeing to walk into a mm-hmm. into a room into a group where you can talk about your child openly and honestly and talk about your struggles and your victories with other people that really understand um there's nowhere else in our lives that we can do that
2: right
1: right well the connection is instantaneous i mean we know that from retreats we know that from our support groups that when you walk into a room where someone is sharing that deep of a a grief um, with you, that there's an instant bond.
2: They can also know that uh, that they don't have to say anything. Yes. If, if they don't feel that they're ready, they can sit and listen.
0: Absolutely.
2: S- still know mm-hmm. that uh, that they're in a group of like-minded.
1: Right. Like-minded if it, if it starts out that way, it doesn't last for very long, though. <laughs> I mean, people they want to share. Right.
0: So we had the great blessing of hosting our very first while we're waiting weekend with you guys at Zephyr Point Presbyterian Conference Center, right on the shores of Lake Tahoe a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, We met some wonderful folks while we were there. And I know you guys are looking forward to hosting more of these events in the months ahead. And um, if anyone that is listening might be interested in going to a retreat in your area, I'm going to put the information about how they can register in our show notes. Um, I'll also put the information about our, our support group there in Nevada, as well as our other support groups in the show notes, so people can look those up. Um, I tell you, we, we have several different retreat sites, and they're all beautiful. But this one on the mm-hmm. shores of Lake Tahoe is something special, mm-hmm. <laughs> wouldn't you say?
2: Yeah, we like to say that too. It's uh it's truly a jewel. It's it's uh, uh, yeah, indescribable. I think until until you've actually looked out over such a huge body of water surrounded yeah. by mountains and pine trees. Yeah,
1: I still can't believe it that we get to be part of while we're waiting, and at Lake Tahoe no less. <laughs> it's a privilege that only God could orchestrate. Yes. I mean, it's just it's yeah. You you look out at it, that that vast water and mountains and. Sky and think, how did we get here? Oh yeah. yeah, that's how. Yeah,
0: yeah. We would certainly all wish that we were visiting Lake Tahoe for another reason. But if um, you know, if you have experienced the loss of a child and want to connect with other parents that um, have that same experience and also have the freedom to talk about your faith, about Jesus, and about hope um, in a beautiful incredible location. Um, that is a wonderful place to go and do that. And all of our retreats are offered at no charge, uh, to the, to the folks who attend. So, um, we have lodging for Friday night and Saturday night and all meals are provided and it's just a wonderful experience. And like I said, we were so excited to be able to be a part of the first one at that location. And uh, I know we've got several uh, coming up in the months ahead, so uh, people can get on the website and read about those. And um, I know we have some waiting lists and things like that, but if you get on a waiting list, we can usually get you in sooner than you think just because of cancellations and things like that. So um, do take a look at our website and uh, look at that. And I know Jim and Carol would love to meet you at a retreat one day or at one of their support group meetings. So um, is there anything else you guys would like to share before we close? There's something I want
1: to say is that if you happen to be listening to this and you're not a bereaved parent but you know one, Mm. listen to what we said about talking about their child You know, and sharing memories. And it means so much. It's such a precious, precious gift that you can give to those folks. And um, if you have the opportunity to do it. It would mean the world to someone who you who is in your, your
0: sphere of influence.
2: You could brighten their day. Yes. Significantly.
0: Yes. You know, we have the opportunity to talk about Hannah a lot at retreats because we do these retreats mm-hmm. all the time. But we were visiting with a couple. Um, they invited us over for dinner, and it was somebody that we had known in college and we hadn't seen them in years. And uh, we had dinner, and we sat down afterwards to just kind of visit in their living room. And we kind of small talk for a minute. And then they said, okay, tell us about Hannah. What was she like? Yes. And oh, my goodness, mm. that was such a gift. <laughs> like yes. I said, we talk about her a lot, but it's always kind of in the context of a retreat. And mm. here were these folks that just wanted to know what she was like. And yeah. wow, that was a blessing to us. Um, Isn't it? And yeah. so and I think especially for bereaved parents that are farther out, five, six, eight, ten 10 years mm-hmm. like y'all, 12 years like us, we don't have opportunities to talk about our kids. So we love it when somebody mm-hmm. asks about, about them or yeah. has a story to share about them or a picture. So I think that's wonderful advice. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast today uh, to talk about Sarah and, and God's faithfulness. And and I love that that different kind of miracle that y'all experienced um Mm -hmm. in your lives not the one that you necessarily prayed for but the one that god gave you and i love what you said about this is a it's a lasting miracle it's an ongoing miracle i i really appreciate that thank you
2: yeah thank you it was an honor yeah
0: thank y'all so much Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. We hope it brought you some comfort and encouragement today and maybe made you feel a little less alone on the journey. Please subscribe so you'll never miss an episode and and maybe leave us a rating in iTunes to help others find the podcast. Again, we're glad you spent a few minutes with us today. It's a blessing to walk beside you as we seek to live well while we're waiting.